you know, lately we've been talking a lot about um, how to be infinitely happier. I'm, I'm concerned that we are not happy enough. Jesus came, he said in John 10, to give us an abundant, joyful life. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Uh, Paul tells us to rejoice always. And he said, again, I'll say it again, rejoice always. Never stop rejoicing, right? We're supposed to be glad, happy people. Now, that doesn't mean that we are silly and ignore the fact that life is hard because life is hard. I'm Take it from me. I've lost a son. I've been to war. I've been through a divorce. We've been through hard things. And you have too. There's hard stuff in this life. But if you can learn, friend, how to separate circumstance from emotion, if you can learn how to stay positive and hold on to hope and find joy, no matter what you're going through, you will have an abundant life. You will be more than 10% happier. You will be infinitely happier because you'll always be able to say it's going to be okay because your okay will not be defined by what's happening around you. Now, back in 2015, I did an episode of the old You Start Today podcast called How to Stop Worry in its tracks. And I think that advice has held up over time, but I think it needs a little update. And so today we're going to not just talk about worry, because worry is not really the only thought issue that we face, but what, you know, there's worry, there's regret, there's sadness, there's decisions that we need to make, whatever it is. Sometimes we just simply overthink things. Has this ever been you? Um, Think about this, like you lie awake at night and you just can't close your eyes because your mind is racing. You're chasing rabbits down holes of thought all over the place about all kinds of things that are hard in your life. You're thinking about your kids, your grandkids, your fiance, your relationships, your biopsy results that are coming, your finances, the coronavirus. What's going to happen? Is there voter fraud or is the election going to be the way you want it to be? And you go back over those conversations or those decisions that you made or didn't make or things you said or didn't say, and you start to feel the cold grip of regret that maybe he didn't handle something right or then the next thought might lead to a broken relationship or a business failure or you're going to get fired or you're going to get laid off and you can't control the economy and everything's driving yourself crazy with all this overthinking and you just can't make any headway in it and make any sense out of it and you can't sleep because you're worrying, you're overthinking, you're stressed out, you're allowing yourself to go down all these trains of thought and that sometimes wrecks your night and wrecks your peace of mind. So what do you do then? And I've got good news for you because today we're going to learn how to stop overthinking everything. If you're plagued by this problem, you can learn how to overcome it and improve your brain chemistry and your mental state, how to renew your faith and overcome the thought patterns that are hurting you. Remember this this series. This is episode 7 of the Infinitely Happier series. And our theme verse is Proverbs 17, 27, and 28 in the Passion Translation. If you don't have the Passion Translation, go to BibleGateway.com or uh, some other online Bible uh, provider, and you can for free read the Passion Translation. And I think it's beautiful. I'm not super um, uh, well-versed in it yet, but in Proverbs and Psalms, there's just some beautiful ways that they've rendered this language. And Proverbs 17, 27, and 28 in the Passion Translation says this, Can you bridle your tongue when your heart is under pressure? That's how you show that you're wise. An understanding heart keeps you cool, calm, and collected no matter what you're facing. Now that, friend, that advice is useful during a global pandemic, but it's also the secret to becoming infinitely happier. It's also useful in everyday life. Can you bridle your tongue? Can you bridle your brain? Can you bridle your racing thoughts? 
when you're under pressure. That's how you show that you're wise, and that's how you stay cool, calm, and collected no matter what's going on. And we're going to find out today how to deal with the terrible problem of overthinking. And we're going to start today. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. You can learn it and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done if you'd like the show. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. So lately we've been drilling down into the idea of learning some self-brain surgery techniques, some ways to operate, if you will, on our own minds how to learn strategies to identify and attack things that have been holding us back in our lives. And sometimes it seems like there's so many places in which we're struggling that we don't even know how to get started trying to change any of them. And like I told you last time, the secret, my dad always said, to how to eat an elephant is to do it one bite at a time. So today the bite that we're taking in this big problem of how to manage our minds is to to learn how to stop overthinking everything, how to stop overthinking thinking everything. Listen, I had a relative who I dearly loved. She's gone now, but she was a terrible worry ward. She just worried about stuff. She thought about everything all the time. She'd worry about her kids and her grandkids and the economy and the weather and her health and her money. And then she would worry about the fact that she was worrying and about what people thought about her and whether anyone else worried about how much she worried. And then she would go to church and we would sing, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus.'" And she'd worry that Jesus was mad at her because she was worrying or maybe because she wasn't singing well enough. And, man, it was just overwhelming for her sometimes. And I felt so bad because she just couldn't stop thinking about everything. And I was worried that just typing all that out, that maybe I inherited some of that worry from her. But I'm joking, of course. It is a sad thing when you're when you're constantly unable to stop letting your mind race and worry and stress and fret and overthink everything. Because those are those kinds of racing thoughts are one of the things that can be like a wildfire. Once you give into it, once you let yourself go down the path of all these hundreds of places that your brain can take you, especially when you're trying to rest, it'll go crazy and it'll take over everything in your mind and in your life. Chronic overthinking is paralyzing. It affects our sleep, our immune system, our brain chemistry, our productivity, and our happiness. And the science, my friend, is clear. Anxiety and worry and overthinking are very, very bad for you. And I'm sorry that I'm in a hotel and the air conditioner just kicked in. So if you can hear that, I apologize. There's a little hum in the background. I can't fix it. But I want you to understand how bad it is for you to overthink everything all the time. Worry in itself is very worrisome. The writer Corey Tinboom said, Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Think about that for a second. Worry doesn't make tomorrow better. It makes today worse. 
And that's exactly right. Corey Timber Corey Tinboom nailed that. She was right. Even Jesus said in Matthew six twenty six, worrying doesn't do you any good. Who here can claim to add even an hour to your life by worrying? And I would add overthinking, I would add overanalyzing, I would add spending too much time and thinking about things that you cannot control to that. But I've got some good news. There are several sound strategies that we can use to deal with this problem of overthinking. There's some ways that we can operate on our own brains to learn how to get this under control, and I'm going to share them with you now. The first one is realizing that there is, in fact, a time for everything, even thinking about stuff, even worrying about things. It's okay to take some time to do that. Everybody does it. Everybody worries about things. You can't help it, but you can control it. And a great way to do that is to just create some time for it. If you've got some things that you really need to stew on and and figure out and think about, put down some time in your schedule and allow yourself to think about those things in a productive way. But instead of being afraid of them, make some productive things. I'm worried about finances. So what could I do to make that less worrisome? Here, I could make a budget. I could call the creditors. I could you know do this or do that or move some money or sell some stocks or do X, Y, and Z. And I can get through that, right? Find a way to use that time instead of just mindless, um, dangerous worry to actually scheduling some time to think through things. There was a study from Penn State back in 2011 where they came up with a four-step stimulus control program that could help seriously stressed out people take control of their anxieties. The first step was to identify what they were actually worried about instead of just having this general vague sense of being worried about everything. The second thing is to come up with a time and a place to allow yourself to deal with that thing that you're thinking about. So instead of letting your thoughts run you, you schedule a time to think about the thing that you're having trouble controlling. The third thing is if you find yourself thinking about it and overthinking about it and letting your thoughts run during other times of the day, then discipline yourself to say, hey, this is not the time that I'm going to think about that. Make a point to think about something else. Direct your thoughts to back to what you need to be working on right then. And the last thing is to use that worry time or thinking time productively instead of letting them race. Instead, productively channel those thoughts into solutions and ideas of how you can do better or solve the problem or avoid the issue or fix the relationship or whatever. Channel it purposefully and fix it. Operate on it surgerize it take care of it see how that works you harness the time that you would normally spend worrying or overthinking or stressing out in a dead-end loop and instead you try to make some headway in dealing with it. you you operate on it and whatever it is that you're worried about and all of a sudden you've got a plan and you're you're more in control of those racing overthinking thoughts next thing you need to do is get offline Really, there's a lot of brain chemistry that's happening and wasted brain energy when you are spending too much time on social media, too much time on the computer, too much time watching television. Get yourself free of that, especially a little bit before you go to bed. Clear your brain, read a book, um, write some things down, journal, exercise, do something else and get your brain in a more focused, relaxed state and your brain chemistry will start improving. You'll reset all those neurotransmitters and instead of being you know, jealous of somebody's new house or new car that they're posting about or whatever, all these perfect lives that people curate and present to you, 
and you're comparing yourself to something that's not true, instead of that, you're getting off, you're controlling the narrative, and you're allowing yourself to control a little bit what all is happening inside your brain, especially the 24-hour news cycle right now and what we're dealing with with coronavirus and the riots and all the things that are happening. You need to control how much you allow all that information to filter into your brain because it's going to affect your overthinking and your racing thoughts. If you find yourself worrying more than normal, stressing out more than normal, thinking more than normal, back away from the status updates, the constant news, and all of that for a few days and see if it helps because it will. And number three, like I'm always saying, think about your thinking. Think about your thinking. Look at it from a different perspective. Stop believing every stupid thought that pops into your head like Daniel Amen says, really said it on this podcast. I've written about it many times, wrote about it, and I've seen the interview. You've got to stop reacting to your thinking, and instead you've got to think about your thinking, respond to it appropriately, channel it, direct it, control it, operate on it, fix it, and you can. And if you find yourself unable to do so, then you need some professional help because overthinking and overreacting to your constantly racing thoughts will ruin your life. Start recognizing that there are very start recognizing that there are several very common thought patterns that really add to this problem: worry, overthinking, anxiety, stress. Here are some of these patterns. There's Daniel Lehman's written about this: all or nothing thinking, where you look at things in black or white categories. There's no middle ground. If I am not perfect, then I'm a total failure. If my relationship isn't perfect, then we're going to be doomed. That that all or nothing thinking. It's not ever true. There's usually a middle ground that's safer. Overgeneralization is another one. If you generalize from a single negative experience and expect it to become true forever, and you know, I don't get hired for this job, I'll never get hired for any job. Or I, I fail at this thing, I'll never succeed at anything. If you generalize, you're never going to succeed because you're always going to have exceptions. So you, if you have a, a problem, you can't generalize it to that your whole life is a problem. This is what leads to suicide sometimes. Somebody breaks up with you and you decide nobody's ever going to love you again and it's all over and you kill yourself. That's that's overgeneralization and it's not ever safe. The mental filter. If you focus on the negatives and filter out all the positives, you'll never be happy. I hear people do this all the time. Yeah, I know I got that raise, but you know, it wasn't as much as I thought and and so and so got more and you know, I just I get passed over all the time and nobody respects me and blah blah blah. No, if you got a raise, you got a raise, buddy. You got a raise, friend. If if something positive happened, take the win. I, I talk to Lisa and I talk about this all the time. Like people that something good happens, and instead of like being thankful and praising God for that and grabbing it and taking the win and, and letting it build up something positive, they they go, yeah, you know, I got that house, but it's not quite big enough, and you know, well, blah blah blah. They always take the positive and add a bunch of negative to it. So don't do that. Filter the negatives out and focus on the positive. Instead of noticing the one thing that went wrong, notice the thing that went right. I see this in parents sometimes, and I see it unfortunately in spouses, where somebody will do something sweet, you know, write a really sweet email or or say something really nice, and the response will be, oh, you misspelled a word in there, or oh, there's a typo. And, and you can see the person deflated, when they're trying to do something good and the, and the other person focuses on the negative. So if somebody's doing something positive for you, even if it's imperfectly done, even if it's not perfectly delivered, take the positive, take the W, and, and allow yourself to be 
praised or loved or whatever's happening there. Take the win, and that'll help your brain chemistry. So in the same line of thinking, when you diminish positive things, coming up with reasons why the positive things don't count as much, then you're really just hurting yourself. And another one is jumping to conclusions. When you make negative interpretations without actual evidence, you think you're a mind reader. I can tell that she secretly hates me. Or, yeah, I know she said something nice, but she didn't really mean it. You can drive yourself nuts trying to be a fortune teller. I just know something bad is going to happen. Even though they're telling me that I'm going to be okay, even though they're saying that this deal's going to go through, I just know it's not. Why would you worry like that? Why would you overthink that? Why not just take it at face value? Because one thing is true. If they are going to hose you, you won't know it until they do. And You might as well live on the positive and hope that everything goes well. I'm not saying be naive. I mean, obviously do all your due diligence and all those things. But allow yourself some wins from time to time. Another one is catastrophizing. We've talked about that before. This worst-case scenario thinking. You know, the pilot said we're going to have some rough air. That means we're going to crash. No, it doesn't. It just means there's going to be some rough air. Don't catastrophize everything. Don't make everything into a what-if, what could happen, you know, catastrophe waiting to happen because you're just burning up your own brain chemistry and hurting your own heart. Another one is emotional reasoning where you believe that the way that you feel is actually true. I feel frightened right now. That must mean that I'm in danger. No, it doesn't. Feelings aren't facts, and emotions aren't facts. So fantasies aren't the reality. What you're thinking and feeling is not always true. So you got to make sure that your feelings are actually based on something real. Otherwise, you're just, you're just hurting yourself with excessive thinking and worrying. Another one is shoulds and should nots, like holding yourself to a strict list of what you should and shouldn't do and beating yourself up constantly if you break those rules. you got to have a higher standard. Like you know what's right and what's wrong, so don't put excessive standards on yourself. And don't label. Labeling is a terrible way to spend your brain energy where you make some little mistake and you say, God, I'm such an idiot. I'm such a loser. If you put those things in your head, then you're starting to create negative synapses for yourself that you don't need. Personalization is another one. Assuming responsibility for things that are outside of your control. Like if you're, you know, your kid has a car wreck and gets hurt or dies and, you know, horribly, God forbid, something like that happens, and you say, that's my fault. If I had done a better job teaching him to drive, if I had warned him, if I hadn't let him go, if I hadn't done this. No, when, sometimes accidents happen, friend. And when accidents happen, it's not your fault. So make sure that you're not personalizing things that happen that create things that you have to overthink about and deal with in your brain that you're, we're outside of your control. So learning to think about your thinking, challenging these automatic negatives, um, grabbing a hold of and operating on the situation to change the narrative that's in your own head, that'll help you get on top of this overthinking problem. I promise it will. Try it next time when your thoughts are trying to get the best of you. Try this. Ask yourself several questions. One, what's the evidence that this thought is actually true? And what's the evidence that it's not true? Number two, is there a more positive or realistic way of looking at this situation? Can I actually spin this and make it more positive? What's the, the third one? What's the probability that what I'm scared of will actually happen? So when you're sitting there terrified at night and you can't sleep, ask yourself, wait a second, what's the actual likelihood that this is going to happen? How many times have I felt this way before and that thing didn't happen? 
Number four, if the probability is low, then what are some other likely outcomes? Because you might be able to sit there and think through some positive outcomes too and then start working on ways to increase the likelihood that those positives are going to occur instead of just being terrified that they might not. And number five, is the thought helpful? Is this thing that I'm thinking about right now, is this going to help me in some way? Is it going to allow me to have a better day tomorrow, to accomplish something, to achieve a victory, to save a relationship, to make more money? Is this thinking that I'm doing right now helping me or is it hurting me? And will spending all night thinking about it benefit me tomorrow or will it harm me tomorrow? And if it will harm me, then I need to operate on that thought and stop it and get to some place where I can sleep or where I can move on to something more productive. And lastly, what would I say to a friend or a loved one or a child if I knew they were having this issue with their thinking? They were worrying about this thing. What would I say to them? You would say, hey, even if that's going to happen, you can't fix it tonight unless you figure out a way to keep it from happening. Or even if that is going to occur, instead of worrying about it all night, here's what we can do to make it better. Right? That's how you would counsel someone you loved. And another one is actually helpful. It sounds kind of silly, but when you write things down that you're concerned about that you that you can't control, write them down, put them on paper, acknowledge it, think through it, and then crumple it up and throw it away. Cast it away. Get rid of it because you can't control it. So sometimes that mental exercise of actually throwing something away from yourself that you can't control gives your brain this mental image that you're capable of giving up or getting rid of it. It really sounds silly, but it's been proven to be helpful. So if you're having it something that you can't control, that you can't stop thinking about, write it down and get rid of it. First Peter 5, 7 in the Bible says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So the Bible gives you this picture of, hey, Jesus, I'm going to throw this to you. You catch it and you take it. I can't handle it anymore. The thing is, it's not a fishing pole. Like you're not casting it out and then reeling it back in. Right? That's the problem we have sometimes. We try to cast off worry, but then we reel it back in and continue to deal with it. Instead, make it a baseball and throw it to God and let Him take it because He wants it and He wants you not to have to deal with it. And finally, give yourself a break. You know, you're not perfect. I'm sorry to tell you that, but you're not. My, my perfect person, the person I think is the most perfect human being that I've been around is my wife, Lisa. She's immaculate. She's brilliant. She's kind. She's godly. She's unbelievably talented in a vast array of areas but you know what she's not perfect i mean look she married me right (laughs) but when you know when you make a mistake you can't throw yourself off a mental bridge every time and begin worrying that you're ruined when you make some mistake you can't think that you're just a failure because you can bounce back we're going to get to ways to bounce back in later episodes of the podcast the most important one here is pray and meditate now science is catching up to the bible finally 2,000 years ago, in Philippians 4, 6, the Bible says this, Do not be anxious about things. Another translation says, Be anxious for nothing. And By the way, that's an amazing book that Max Lucado wrote, Anxious for Nothing. You should read it. Don't be anxious about things, Paul says. Instead, pray. Pray about everything. God longs to hear your thoughts, so talk to him about your needs and be thankful for what has come. A study in the journal called Social, Cognitive, and Effective Neuroscience. That's easy to say, right? showed that meditation training improves the functions of the anterior cingulate cortex. That's the part of your brain that controls emotions and thinking. And it also improves the function of the ventral medial prefrontal cortex, which is where worry happens. So when you're when you 
meditate and pray, the blood flow gets better in the anterior cingulate cortex and things calm down in the ventral medial prefrontal cortex. So you worry less and you think more clearly when you meditate and pray. So prayer and meditation helps your brain improve functionally. That's self-brain surgery. And it helps you worry less. And last, get up off the couch because exercise raises the level of the neurotransmitter serotonin in your brain. And several studies, many studies, have shown that in the long run, exercise is even more effective than medication for some people in terms of elevating their mood and decreasing anxiety and stress. Now, there's a little thing that I talk about. I call it being a bloodhound. Have you ever watched dogs work when they're tracking a criminal or hunting Bloodhounds are—they're great because they get the scent of something that they're looking for, and they go chase it. And if they ever lose the scent, the dog handlers will take them back to the last place that they found it and find it again, so they can get back on the trail. And let me tell you the story of a guy who was really worried and how he dealt with it. Picture this guy—he's in bed, he's tossing and turning, he's trying to sleep, and he's the leader of a country, and the country is in big trouble, serious trouble. Sound like? President Trump right now, right? Everything's on the line. He's tossing and turning. He's scared. He's actually responsible for taking care of everybody. So not like you and me, but this guy's in charge of everybody. He's he's worried and he's legitimately worried. He's scared. And listen to what he says about it. Through the night, my hands are raised up, stretched out, waiting. And though they don't grow tired, my soul is uneasy. I can't even close my eyes. I am troubled beyond words. My mind drifts to thoughts of yesterdays and yesteryears. I call to mind my music. It keeps me company at night. Together with my heart, I contemplate. My spirit searches, wondering, questioning. What will the Lord do? Will he reject us for good? Will he never show us his favor again? Has his loyal love finally worn down? Have his promises reached an end? Has the true God forgotten how to be gracious? In his anger, has he withdrawn his compassion? I can't help but be distraught, I said, for the power of the Most High that was once with us is now against us. So this guy is really worried. He tries music. He tries everything, but he can't shut it down. He can't even close his eyes. The story is actually in the Bible, by the way, Psalm 77. And here's the rest of it. When he figures out what to do, here's what he does. He says this, I will remember the actions that God has taken. Reminisce on your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all of your work. Indeed, I will study all you have performed. O oh God, your way is so different, so distinct, so divine. No other God compares with our God. You, God, and your works evoke wonder. You have proved your strength to the nations. You've used your great power to release your people. Did you catch that, friend? This is the secret. It's the number one secret to stop overthinking to stop being anxious to stop worrying it's to be a bloodhound it's to it's to follow the trail of what god has done in the past or ways and times in the past when you've gotten through hard things just like that thing i talked about a while ago when you when you're worried and you're stressed and you're anxious you've lost the trail of all the good things all the past graces john piper says the best predictor of future grace is past grace to think back about other times when things were hard and somehow you made it through about other times when you were sick but you didn't die think back all those times that god has gotten you through it before be a bloodhound go back and find the trail again and then start trailing the good stuff finding the good answer finding the solution 
because that it's it, that's exactly what worrying and overthinking is like. It's like losing the scent of how God has gotten you through things. Like the guy in Psalm seventy-seven, when he was lost in worry, he went back and he says, "I call to mind. I think. I, I channel my thoughts." He's actively changing what he's thinking about, remembering the times before when God came through and everything worked out. That's the secret, friend, is to go back and find the trail again and let God lead you to the place that he wants you to be. Corey Tinboom said, Memories are the key, not to the past, but to the future. Memories of how things have worked out in the past are the key to knowing that they will work out in the future. Find the trail and you'll stop worrying. When we lost Mitch, I watched our family, all of them. Every one of us handled it with faith and with strength. I had a hard time, but I watched my kids. I watched Lisa, and I was just amazed at how strong they were to get through that. And I know because of that that the next time something hard happens in our family, we're going to be okay. We're going to get through it. I know that because we already got through the hardest thing we could get through. When we lost Lisa's mom, Dennis and Lisa and Jessica and all of us, we got through that. Josh and Katie, all of all of the kids got through losing Nanny because we had gotten through losing Mitch. So past times that God delivered us gave us the confidence to know that he would deliver us this time too. And friend, if you're in the coronavirus situation or your neighborhood's on fire in Minneapolis, God's going to get you through it. You've been through it before, you'll get through it again. I saw during those times how strong my kids were, how strong Lisa was how everybody trusted and had faith that God was going to get us through it, and he did. So when I worry, I go back and I find the trail again, and you can too. That's how you stop overthinking. Listen, these techniques and these things we've talked about today, they will help you overcome excessive thinking. This is self-brain surgery. It's biblical. It's consistent with neuroscience. It's good self-care, and it will help you. But if you want to get it done, friend... You have to start today. Hey, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, tommywalkerministries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day. Breakthrough, breakthrough all my pain, breakthrough, 
All my guilt and my shame Break through Like only you can do You are brighter than my darkest night Stronger than my toughest fight Just one touch from you like we don't even know if you're listening. Come, break through our doubts, oh God, and bring faith. Be the author and the finisher of our faith, oh God. Build it up even now. Help our unbelief, we pray, oh God. Lord, I pray for depression in this place, God. People just living with sadness and hopelessness. God, break through, oh God, and bring a joy that is our strength, a joy that's deep, a joy that's strong, oh God. Bring a peace that passes understanding, oh God. God, I pray for broken bodies in this place. Break through with healing power, we pray, God. Break through, oh God. We believe you can do it, Lord. And we pray, God, I pray for marriages in this place. Breakthrough in relationships, Lord. That that forgiveness and mercy and kindness would would reign in our homes and in our families. Breakthrough. This is our prayer, Lord. This is our prayer. Breakthrough. That's right. Stand with me and sing that. Oh, 